0: to another episode of phantoms of the silver screen a podcast where it's spooky season all day every day i am one of your hosts rip and i am always joined by the illustrious
1: jumbie it's me i'm very very excited to be here we're watching some of the best television ever made yeah that's a bold statement for episode one maybe you should wait till the end remember game of thrones i don't care (laughs) okay because i don't remember game of thrones it purged it from my mind already calling it this is a great season i don't care what reviews say i only care about mine and it's a 10 out of 10 hey i love mike flanagan what can i what can i tell you
0: i do also enjoy mike flanagan's work and I am he also invested in this. Good. This is pretty good. If you don't know what we're t- talking about, this is our recap of the Midnight Club. In fact, I know we always say that we give you our raw, unedited responses, but this one, we didn't even, we didn't even give us a second. As soon as this episode finished, we got some water, went went right to work.
1: Didn't even talk about it. I have so many thoughts it's so good i i want mike flanagan to work for a thousand years i just want so many TV <laughs> shows from him it's so good yes um where do you even start probably at the beginning
0: do we i mean it was a good In a, i don't know
1: it's a good it was episode. amazing yes most of you probably just binge the whole thing. So you already know the ending. But guess what? We don't. We're watching it like idiots. Just it's one by one. One by one. Suffering for the work like that we have to do here.
0: This is... For our art. Yeah. We made this decision. We decided to do the same thing as we did with Midnight Mass and Archive one. That's right. We didn't forget about Archive 81.
1: Nobody did. Archive 82. Bring it back.
0: A-S-A-P. Mike Flanagan, jump on this, please.
1: (laughs) That being said, Midnight Mass Season 2. I'll do it. (laughs) I'll watch it. What do you got? I trust you.
0: (laughs) Uh, The Midnight Club, Mike Flanagan property. We're doing this episode by episode.
1: What a setting for a scary story. We Hmm? need
0: the journey. We need the journey for this. We can't just binge watch this entire thing and then just regurgitate how we feel. No, we need the journey of this step by step.
1: Before so we're going to tell you about this and our thoughts on it. The first thing I want to note is like the title sequence for this show, like the the opening title, The Midnight Club, how they write it. The style is written like it's one of those novels, one of those mystery novels that you'd see on the shelf at your local bookstore. It's like one of those classic mysteries. Somehow they got that font and it looks just like it.
0: Yeah, they use word art from Microsoft Word in ninety-three and they just enlarged it, put it on the front, which is perfect, because this story takes place in the nineties.
1: That's correct. God, if there's anything that could make a Mike Flanagan show better, you said it in the nineties, the perfect time to be alive.
0: Yes, the music score for this.
1: You're gonna get how dark that statement was
0: in a minute. (laughs) The music's the score for this was very 90s. Enjoy it was. It.
1: So yeah, in this show, we get introduced to a lot of cool characters. The main character being Il- Ilanka. Yeah. Do you? Ilanka.
0: Let me ask you mm-hmm. something, Jumpy. Yeah. Do uh? Did you look up what the show was gonna be about before you ventured? I on? did.
1: Not everything slapped me in the face. Every emotional beat here, mm-hmm. every left turn got me.
0: I looked it up. I thought and, you did. Yes, and before, like Different perspectives, like last year, <laughs> yeah, like, really. When when this was announced, whenever this was announced, I was like, oh, okay, cool, another Mike. What's this gonna be about? And I'm like, oh shit. Um, it still, it still got me. Still got me.
1: He he knows how to make you invest in a character especially a character like this it's it's crazy
0: lanka is just how do you she is the
1: sagittarian Hmm? say again obviously we feel bad for her because she's second in her class and not first and that's embarrassing am i right everybody (laughs) yes
0: she is second out of 900 and we open with this we see a bright girl with a promising future Mm -hmm. and her foster dad even comments hey don't be by the book just break a couple (laughs) rules for once in your life
1: and he mentions her now deceased mother and you know stuff he's promised to her keeping her safe so this family has been through some hardship but it's smooth sailing right she's going to college she's graduating high school everything's on the up and up
0: But she goes to a college party yeah she does there's alcohol you can ruin that scholarship you can ruin that all that if you get arrested for underage drinking
1: that's what i'm thinking here too i'm just like wow you're going through a phase you worked real hard in high school she dyed her hair red and everything She, she looks all cute her hair looks amazing and she's going to this college party something bad's gonna happen this is going to take place at a university. It's going to be about university of ghosts. That's that's what I thought <laughs> in that moment.
0: She, um, she flexes her intelligence. She goes toe-to-toe with an English major, posing as an English major herself, talking about Mary Shelley and all, that's, all that Mary Shelley that has done.
1: Is so important. The Mary Shelley thing, her whole spiel about that, Frankenstein's monster... I think that's the crux of this whole show. Yeah. I'm I good. think that's the crux of the whole show. The character we get introduced to later, um, Julia? Yes, Julia. She okay. is Frankenstein's monster. I, I I, have no doubt in my mind. Nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that's all you got. I just gave you the ending. I know <laughs> that's true.
0: We'll get into that. We'll get into that when we get there. But um, I do believe that you don't just don't throw Mary Shelley out there in that much detail, and then do one eighty to Shakespeare. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I... the Mike
1: Flanagan property. No. Not the Mike
0: Flanagan. No, no, every things like that, they're important. So,
1: so yeah, they stab you in the heart because she's flexing on this English major. They're making moves at each other, and then she starts coughing, and coughing, and coughing, and, coughing, and I'm like, no she's going to die and we're going to see another protagonist come in and it's going to be horrible. Or
0: it'll be about her friend, Laura.
1: <laughs> yeah. Something like that. It's about the friend <laughs> and not about her and her nice red hair. Yeah. She starts coughing. And she coughs up blood all over her hands. She has cancer. Now there's no way we can really emphasize how good they went through the journey of her discovering her cancer the troubles she went through to deal with it, cope with it, um, having her father Tim cope with it, but they did a great job. I was so invested. You I can't feel do so that
0: bad. justice. Like that—that nah. that was a journey. It made you feel. You mm-hmm. almost forgot that this was a Mike Flanagan property. <laughs> that this is about horror. But Midnight Mass. I thought he
1: might have been going in a different direction. He's just like, <laughs> I'm going full drama this season. No scary stuff. <laughs> Look in the background, all you want, Jumpy, you idiot. There's nah, nothing nah, there. We can't say
0: that because <laughs> when, when she coughed up blood and she went to the bathroom in the party, she looked in oh the mirror and she saw an old woman with gray hair, black eyes staring back at her. We see they... a fireplace and a boy sitting down on a bench next to a cliff. This is important.
1: They got me good here. Yeah. Because... Her hair had like little red beads in it or something mm-hmm. that looked extra vibrant in this scene, and I was like putting my face closer to the screen, <laughs> like, "What is that? She's got like what is th- blood pellets in her hair? What's 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 a gag here? What's happening?" And then they jump scare me, <laughs> All right? I felt like a '90s kid who got sent that video where it's like a scenery and then a monster pops out and scares you.
0: Yeah, or the you ever did the maze?
1: But yeah, I did do that and I hate it.
0: yeah so it's but this uh the hospital scenes really make you forget and she gets a call from her friend lauren best friend lauren's enjoying college and it sounds like she's trying to be there for alanka but
1: she's i can it's a testament to those actors but i can feel them becoming distant on that phone call Like, I can feel the difference between when they were talking to each other at the party Mm -hmm. to this point, months later, when she is battling the thyroid cancer. She has her head shaved. She's talking on the phone with her friend, and her friend is calling for her birthday. But I just feel like there's something missing between them.
0: Well, I think the friend,
1: the friend, I just, the way they spoke, I don't know. I just kind of got like she's enjoying life in college, and there's going to be some kind of separation between them.
0: I, I thought so too. Especially I thought maybe Lauren just didn't know how to talk to her friend yeah. that's um that has cancer. But Tim got called out of the room while the call was happening and Alanka just couldn't uh couldn't focus on anything else. So her her answers were short. She was uh spacing her words so she could start hearing. And at some point, she was just like, "All right, uh, well, nice catching up with you, bye." And then Lauren's like, "Well, happy birthday!" And and Alonka h- hangs up. So I I thought it was more that way.
1: Hmm.
0: And Alonka just, you know, she needs to know. She doesn't like that people are having conversations behind her back, and she she's smart. She knows what it's about. You don't call your foster parent out to the room just to talk, have a one-on-one for no reason. Mm-hmm.
1: I also want to mention it's her, it's her birthday. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it, Mike, Mike Flanagan. Sometimes you're a genius, but sometimes you're mean. Sometimes right. You're a little mean. <laughs> okay? Hug your wife.
0: <laughs> so we learn from the doctor telling to Tim that none of, none of the anything is working none of the surgeries nothing it just it's not reacting the way they thought it, what they were it was supposed to react and tim's like just give it to me straight how long does she have she's like we don't know we can't tell you you know it's hard to what, what was it, it was, it's hard to determine and he's like well it's also hard to hear so just lay it on me well, she, yeah, he, he
1: said it in a very like yeah. badass way. It, she's just like, it's hard to tell you, and he's like, well, it's fucking hard to hear, doc. Right? <laughs> Try. <laughs> and the bluntness of it was very raw and felt. It felt. It felt very real.
0: Oh. Right. But can she live to nineteen? Yeah, it's possible. And at this point, we just get a close up of um, Alanka. And
1: can she live to twenty? and she doesn't respond she doesn't answer the
0: question she switches to another question but all the doctor
1: short clock Mm -hmm.
0: all the doctor can do is to make her make her as comfortable as possible so Alanka is a fighter she heard this news and the first thing she did was to do her own research and the most 90s computer in the world that has internet so,
1: <laughs> I had honestly forgotten it was set in the 90s until she started using the computer. <laughs> and I was like, kind of cheap hospital. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> 90s. They have an Apple computer. That's actually pretty fancy.
0: So Alonka finds...
1: She's doing an internet search. Yes. And she finds a hospice named Brightcliffe, I believe.
0: Yeah. And she learned about Julia Jane, somebody that we will get more information on. But from the excerpt we got from a news clipping, this woman went to brightcliffe and she had the same kind of cancer that Alanka has, thyroid cancer, with uh hespis or something on her in her lungs. <laughs> Sorry if I get that wrong. Um
1: but she had like metastasized tumors or whatever in her lungs.
0: Yeah. And she starts learning more about this place, reads the pamphlet, looks at the hospice in the photos, and we start getting more jump scares. This episode mm-hmm. was Jump Scare City, baby. Oh, <laughs> um, but her uh <laughs> the visions we see is another like old person with black eyes, same a boy sitting on a cliffside bench, um a hooded figure sitting at the head of a table in front of a roaring roaring fireplace, and she she wakes up looking looks around and she's like, Oh shit, what kind of visions was that?" But we starting to see a trend here. Every time she has this vision, she faints. Using that
1: In true Mike Flanagan fashion, the person who's seeing the ghost doesn't really acknowledge the ghost much at first. Yeah. So, like, because I'm a fan of his work and I've seen his other properties, I'm not sure if this is a real ghost or, like you know, some type of stress-induced hallucination about past trauma. It's probably a ghost this time, just to slap you in the face for thinking that. But you know what? I've been burned before. <laughs> I've seen so many not real ghosts, just like trauma ghosts, in his other properties that, like, I don't know what's what anymore. <laughs> He's so good.
0: <laughs> um... So... She goes to Tim. She begs to go to this place. The her birthday. father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he just is against it. But he's not telling her no. He's just telling her he would much rather her stay there. As they go back and forth, he relents and says, okay. But it's just a trial per- period. Fine. They agree to This that. was a
1: hard thing to to portray too, like a father having to let her go, live the life she wants to live for her remaining time, and it's not going to be with you, but that's also what's best for her.
0: And I like it's, it. it's hard. Later I don't. I don't on, know how
1: they did this. It's such good writing.
0: Later on, hmm? she she says the, then this is powerful to me, because um, he says, hey, like I was supposed to be taking you to to Stanford. Like how how do we end up here? And then she says, "Think of it as the same way. I'm I'm gonna I'm in a house full of people around my age, but just mm. the circumstances are different."
1: She gets to live the dorm life with no studying.
0: Yeah. And. Uh yeah, but before that conversation happened, we get our introduction to Brightcliffe, and the first thing. That catches Alanka's eyes is the boy that she's been seeing on the bench, overlooking this cliff, he is actually on a bench, overlooking the cliff, but they Mister
1: Handsome, Kevin.
0: Kevin, we learn Kevin.
1: That. There's a handsome boy who's staying at this hospice, who's dying, and she is a beautiful lady who's staying at this hospice and die. It's like um, The Fault in Our Stars, but with horror elements to it. Oh. Yeah. So it's it's really interesting this setting of this tale. It looks it has a very cool vibe to it. Um obviously we're going to get into the surrounding cast that joins the scene now, but it has a very Scooby-Doo vibe to it.
0: <laughs> now, Mike Flanagan has done a bang-up job at making me hate Owning ever, if not saying I will ever own one, but I don't want a big house. I don't want a mansion. I just don't. I
1: don't want one either. And <laughs> life is like, good job, because <laughs> this economy is no.
0: It's like I don't want a big house where you're not gonna get one. Yeah, but I don't want one. But you're not. <laughs> Do you not want
1: superpowers either? Because you're not gonna get
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Flanagan, I never want to walk around a, a huge house like that at night. And it's all thanks to you.
1: <laughs> he still has me like looking in corners, even though nothing has been like season one of the haunting of Hill House since, where they put like little Easter eggs all over the place. Yeah. The second, Bly the second Manor season of Bly Manor was had a few things, but not as much as the first.
0: And Midnight Mass wasn't that much,
1: not much at all in the corners. I'm not giving up. I'm still looking for you. I didn't see anything that wouldn't be obvious to the camera this round, but I'm going to look every episode for you. Don't worry.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there will. And if I
1: find out about something in this season, in episode one, I'll talk about it in episode two. If I didn't catch it this time and I find out about it later, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll feed you.
0: That's what we should do. Instead of watch episode 2 rewatch re-watch episode one, <laughs> and then watch episode two.
1: Look for <laughs> Easter eggs.
0: Just... <laughs> But yeah, um, here's a recap
1: of episode one again, again. <laughs> yeah that's right for you thorough viewers out there who are doing it the right way episode <laughs> by episode twice each time
0: yeah baby taking notes with yeah. the diagrams
1: <laughs> if you thought you didn't have time to binge it i have a <laughs> method for you
0: <laughs> 10 episodes or one 20 ago.
1: yeah good luck if you count the rewatches
0: <laughs> um but but we are introduced to the nurse practitioner, Mark.
1: Who is played by Riley Flynn yes. from Midnight Mass. I'm so happy to see him. Zach. Getting work around here.
0: Yes, good. So that's one returning character we get so far, I believe.
1: His character's name is Mark. That was one of the predictions I want to make. All right, I'll do it right now. Okay. Kate Siegel, his wife. Will show up somewhere. I don't know how, but she showed up everywhere else. So she might as well show up in this show, too. All right. She's been everywhere else. Even in Blind Manor, when you thought she wasn't going to come, left turn, she's like the crux of the whole show. Oh, yes. Midnight Mass, obviously, she was there. She was a great character. She was a great character. Can't forget about Theo in the first season. She's going to show up. If she doesn't show up here, I don't know what happened. They got divorced or something because she has to show up here. (laughs) also another character who do you think is going to show up so I'm calling Kate Siegel I'm also calling Joe
0: Hmm.
1: from Midnight Mass I don't remember the man's name though like the actor's name Joe from Midnight Mass Um, he was also the caretaker in the first one
0: wait hold on
1: in Haunting of a Hill House was he in Blind Manner?
0: I don't know is that well, we start trying to keep track of all that. Um, that's when it gets hard. But the, I'm calling the the sexy the sexy cop.
1: Man, I'm blanking on what you mean. The only cop I remember is the one that Riley's like, scene where he drunk drove and had to talk to him <laughs> about how much of a piece of shit he is. That's Sh- all I'm thinking. Sheriff Hassan. Oh, my God. Sheriff is... Az- Why did I not remember? Because he said cop. He's a sheriff, He's a right? Sheriff, I'm sorry. He ain't just no regular old cop. He's the law in town. Okay? Yeah, he would be great. I want to see him. Well... I hope t- we're both right, then.
0: Tim... Tim is Sturge from Midnight Matters. Wait, what? Yeah.
1: Tim is Sturt. Oh my god, you're right. The the human blood bag.
0: Yeah, the, For a while.
1: Yeah, he yeah. would just feed. They would just feed on him. That Sturt. I didn't recognize him at all. There's one When I saw dead. him at first, I thought he was um You know, Jim Hopper from Stranger Things, like that actor. <laughs> I was like, is that him? No, it's not him. It's, That's not him.
0: It's the it's the <laughs> The maybe there's a beard there, you know, like yeah. you know he ha- he acts he's he had a beard in other series, but he shaved it down.
1: But you can tell that the beard was there. It's like missing in his features.
0: As of my knowledge right now, there's one more from Midnight Mass in this episode, and we talked about him already. Okay.
1: Well, that's the revelation right there. I didn't know that. I did not recognize Sturgis, the human blood bag, turned. <laughs> Evil Vampire
0: Man. So, all right. So we're we're at Brightcliff. We get
1: yeah, we're Riley here.
0: Flynn, also A.K.A. Mark. They give him a tour, some of his backstory, which we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. Was it? Uh, sure. As they're taking the tour, Ilanka, they go upstairs, and Alanca just looks down a hallway and they're like yeah it's a nice hallway but Alanka's like who's who's that and they're like what are you talking about and then we see it from Alanka's point of view and it's a fucking old lady with black eyes (laughs) so
1: same vision maybe in her past she killed an old lady and this is just a trauma apparition just like always Hmm. or it's a real ghost you decide
0: and she faints again, but she wakes Probably up Probably a real ghost. <laughs> she wakes up but she's in Dr. Stanton's office. Doctor Stanton is one of the what the she's she runs the facility, correct? At mm-hmm. the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And she tries to relate to Tim saying that um hey
1: Doctor Sorry Mm -hmm. to interrupt your captivating recap, but Dr. Stanton is Mary Shelley, a.k.a. Dr. Frankenstein. I just just know it. I just know it. Okay? (laughs) And downstairs in the basement is the secret lab where she does her Frankenstein-esque, with a twist, experiments. Hmm. Mm Hmm. Interesting. I don't even know what it is about her. She just looks like her name's Mary Shelley.
0: <laughs> it's the hair.
1: Go on. But so what happened to you?
0: She's relating to Tim. She understands what's going on because she had a child that came um, to Bri- Brightcliff and she tells him like she wouldn't, um, she wouldn't be able to talk to them this freely if she didn't have somebody come here. And this is why she's, she wanted to run Bar- Brightcliffe. So um, she talks about how she doesn't see this as a place for uh, teens to keep fighting their illnesses, but like a battlefield for them to uh, to go out on their own terms.
1: Uh, she says a lot of nuanced stuff here. So she says that the language they use for cancer patients. mm mm-hmm is weird they talk about it like a battlefield and something you have to fight mm-hmm. um and she mentions that this place brightfield bright what is it Brightcliff? Brightcliff isn't a place to have the battle anymore uh, okay. it's not about fighting yeah. it's about living and it's also not about quitting the battle every day that you live here is a win because mm. you're just trying to live the life you have left to live you're trying to just live your best life Every day at a time. And that's a pretty good ideology for a hospice to have. Seems fun. They somehow make you feel like, oh, what a cool place to go. I want, oh, wait, no, I don't. I don't want to go there because it's a hospice. <laughs> but it, it seems cool. It's it's like they're at the college. It really feels like a dorm room. Yeah. And this is the cool dean.
0: <laughs> yeah, like lot says, it's her equivalent to college at the moment
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh but we start getting and our recap is mostly into introducing every all the characters
1: yeah once we get all the characters we're just going to talk about stuff
0: yeah so and dr Staten. introduces elonka to spence And he takes her on a tour of the entire place. Introducing us to... um,
1: Almost everybody.
0: Natsuki and Sandra. They're doing yoga. Natsuki has ovarian cancer. Sandra has lymphoma. Sandra Sandra has a
1: wig as well. But don't mention it because she's super sensitive.
0: And she's very religious.
1: Extremely religious. Annoyingly religious. (laughs) According to Spence. Who okay. I'm not thinking is religious. <laughs>
0: I like his personality though. He um he comes off as very down to earth. Yeah. Um
1: he's like I think they they put makeup on other people to make them look all ill, like um Kevin when you met, meet him he has leukemia mm-hmm. and all the kids like introduce themselves and tell them tell each other what type of cancer they have. Yeah. Kevin had like makeup to make him look paler of the leukemia but spence like can't tell at all he just yeah just looks like a healthy kid
0: yeah i don't even know if he told us what he has i forget
1: he has a uh, hypochondriac syndrome
0: <laughs> <God damn. laughs> he's oh. just there <laughs> but um spence shows her the the library and she's like oh this, this is it this is my my place you know this is where i'm gonna he's like i'll oh, pick her poison this is her poison alanka not gonna pro- probably not gonna leave that place which is interesting
1: mm-hmm. but, she loves books she loves studying yeah. she grabs like a billion books
0: <laughs> she goes to the arcade room where we were met with amesh
1: I love Amash. He's so fun. He
0: uh, he also like Elanka was supposed to go to college, and he's also the newbie. He was this is he's been there for two months, and he desperately wants hazing, because he want um. He wanted to join a frat when he was going to college, but that that was in the works for him, so he tries to play a little joke, and have, Elanka go down to the old elevator and press b and she's about to do it but spence is like okay
1: um fun is fun but wait don't do that
0: that's where the morgue is and elonka's like oh that makes sense but that's just
1: a lot of funnier (laughs) <laughs> that we're giving him credit for we make him sound like a monster just uh, because right after he's like that joke was pretty in, in poor taste and he's like you know what I, I kind of get why nobody hazes around here I'm I'm remember to thank everybody
0: yeah remember to thank everybody <laughs> Um, important thing elevator is known to go up and down by itself it's dubbed it has a mind of its own it goes on and off by itself, up and down, at night, all the time. It's probably a wiring issue.
1: Probably. Hmm. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Knowing Mike Flanagan, it really is a wiring issue. But the wiring <laughs> issue was caused by ghosts. <laughs> the wiring,
0: it's the wiring the issue that's haunted.
1: Just <laughs> <laughs> it's being haunted by a disgruntled repairman ghost who just uh, messes everybody. with the wires. Yeah. Like, like, pull your pranks. Good luck huh? <laughs> Damn kids.
0: <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> the cranky repairman janitor the whole time.
0: After that, we're introduced to Cherie. She's playing a song in her cello. She looks very regal. Helanka compliments her on her playing, but everybody says don't believe anything she says. Cause she said that she she came up with it on the spot and everybody's like, Nope. Don't believe anything she says. Take with the grain of salt. The only fact we can tell you is that she showed up with two moving trucks and a Bentley. And so she might have a lot of money. But every time you ask her about her past, it's like what, multiple choice? hmm
1: She's the Joker. <laughs> She's a very interesting character. Someone who copes with death by lying and making up different stories for herself. It's just an interesting way to cope. Like you want to make a bunch of different lives for yourself since you're not going to have a lot of time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's it's cool. I'm I'm interested in her character. Even though everyone hates her cuz she's a big liar, but I just want to see More of why she is the way she is. Yeah, interested in everyone here.
0: It might be because of what? Maybe who knows? Maybe she had a tumor in her brain or something, got that removed, and it's messing with her memory. We don't know.
1: You think she's not a liar? She's just really. uh, It's interesting.
0: I mean, it's a possibility because it's just something about her, the way she's playing the character. It might be just me reading too much into it, but it. It looks like oh, she believes shit. everything she says.
1: I am making up things a mile a minute. I have so many random theories that aren't going to pan out. It's going to be wild. <laughs> I have a, I, I have a feeling at a certain point in the show, Sherry's going to say some outlandish shit. And that's true. true. Yeah. yeah. But it's going to be some scary, like, all right, Sherry, shut up. And she's like, no, I swear to God, I saw it. <laughs> and it's going to be real.
0: Or worse, like somebody disappears and Sherry's the only one that saw what happened
1: and no one gives a shit. Yeah. She's like, "Damn it."
0: <laughs> what else? Uh um then we go to Ilanka's room, who uh, she's sharing the room with Anya. The yes. Person was probably supposed to give her the tour, but
1: couldn't be bothered. Yeah.
0: So this is where She is
1: an Irish woman or Scottish?
0: I that's a good question.
1: She's a teen. Obviously, they're all teens. They're all very beautiful, relatable, fun teens <laughs> who are, you know, unfortunately dying. That's the setting. It's a Scooby Gang, but they're in a hospice.
0: Um. Yes. And she
1: doesn't really hit it off with her roommate here. It doesn't sound <laughs> she's like a little, she... she's a little abrasive. Yeah. It
0: doesn't sound like. I feel like that's her personality. It's not like she's going out of her way to be this person. It's just yeah. she she's in a wheelchair. One of her legs got cut off. Mm-hmm. And she has to take medications to deal with the pain. Something to take off the edge. Anything just to get her through the day. So she's not gonna have a sunny disposition on anything. She's very skinny and very pale. Um one thing that's important is how they met. Alanka saw something weird under her bed, so she goes to check it out, and we get a
1: Wiccan Alchemy star. symbol. Yes. <laughs> it's an alchemy symbol. Don't lie to me. I've seen full metal alchemists.
0: And that's when Anya tells us that the person that lived there before her was your Rachel. Rachel And the last two weeks uh, she went wicking. Right. Now we get this information later on from Anya but she says that Rachel always talked about how something was always following her and one day she ran into the room in a huff which was weird because she didn't look like somebody who like was able to run that fast so something pushed her to that point And she said the shadows that's been following her it keeps getting closer and closer and this time she felt her fingers touched her back now rachel said that she probably wasn't gonna make it the next time she gets chased by that shadow yeah. and anya says there's probably something to that because the next day she died.
1: she was just being mean but there's always gonna be a kernel of truth in these little stories I believe yeah. So everyone has din din. It's a really nice dinner they prepared for them. Mark aka Riley Flynn, the you know nurse I guess brings out the food. He's like, hey everybody, how's it going? And Spence is like, eat a dick, Mark. I hate you. (laughs) And he leaves. And he doesn't say exactly that, but he was so rude to him. And there is some assorted backstory with Mark. Because the explanation we get is Spence hates him because he's young and friendly and good looking and not dying. Which, you know, rubs him the wrong way because he reminds him of everything he doesn't have anymore. Which could be true, but I feel like that's that's a red herring. I think something's weird with Mark. I think Mark is Julian. (laughs) Stanton's Stanton's kid supposedly died. I think she Frankenstein'd him into another body. Yeah. That's my wild theory. And I think Anya, the girl in the wheelchair, Uh she's going to be the next Frankenstein project. Okay. I'm going with Frankenstein purely from the story she told <laughs> at the beginning of this episode. But I, that's 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 my wild, you know. Gotta my write this down,
0: bro. <laughs> like you're, you're thinking like this is a big Frankenstein project.
1: Yeah, I think the red herring is the ghosts. All right, they're all going to be haunted by dun dun, dun dun death. All right, their fear of death—that's what's haunting them. But the big overarching left turn slap you in the face because i'm mike flanagan is it's frankenstein mm. Okay,
0: that's yeah. crazy.
1: unless frankenstein is the red herring and there's something beneath that story that i didn't realize but that's what i'm going with now and those of you that binge the whole season don't laugh at me all right <laughs> i don't know i didn't watch it i'm going there it just, all right it's everything like... looks Obvious in hindsight, you're so superior. Shut up.
0: <laughs> I, I wouldn't doubt if Mike Flanagan was like, "I'm gonna write this, this series, <laughs> and oh, I'm gonna add a little layer, f- so that only Jumpy will get this, <laughs> and that layer That's is a red hair." other view. <laughs> <laughs> that layer is just a red herring for what's really going on. So.
1: I wouldn't put it past him. This man is
0: meticulous. (laughs) So you talked about Mark coming in, telling him they all have a curfew, right? Yeah. And that Spence hates his ass?
1: Yeah, Spence Spence has been so nice up until this point. He was just like, shut the hell up, Mark. Mark, get out of my face.
0: (laughs) Fuck you, Mark. Okay.
1: (laughs) Mark's like, hey, guys, just for your own safety, please. I don't want you guys to fall down the stairs or anything, but we don't have a lot of orderlies working at night. That's why we have such a strict curfew. I want you guys to understand, because I care about you. Spence is like, fuck you.
0: Yeah, pretty much.
1: Die. Please? <laughs>
0: yeah. So, one night, Alanka's awoken. Not by Anya sneaking out of bed, but by more visions of the the pale lady with black eyes, the fireplace... It's just all Alanka's gonna see every time she closes her eyes. Um, Hooded figure sitting at the fireplace. But now she sees all the other residents of Brightcliffe lying dead around the table in the library. So Alanka wakes up. She doesn't scream because at this point she's used to all these fucking visions. Um, like,
1: damn these dreams
0: she's like oh it's so weird anyway uh, but she sees Anya sneaking out and she
1: the figure she sees has a very Lord Voldemort vibe to it yeah. I almost want to say like the hands especially made me feel like it was it was you know the angel from Midnight Mass
0: hmm. I have a theory seems weird. I have a theory <laughs>
1: I can't, you know, I love theories. I've been throwing out a million stupid ones. You should say a smart one witch. for some contrast. Witch. Why didn't I think of that? There's Wiccan stuff here. That makes <laughs> a lot of sense.
0: That's the thing. It makes too much sense. It could be Mike Flanagan and be like, we're going to put a witch, throw off Rip. No, no.
1: We just, figured, we just figured it out. Okay? We just figured it out. The red herring is the fear of death. That's the ghost they see. The Frankenstein plot that I still think it is <laughs> is the red herring. And then, bam, they slap you with witchcraft.
0: It could be all of it. It could be a witch sewing people up and creating Frankenstein. Monsters.
1: It would make me laugh if he's just like, no, sorry, stupid. It's vampires again. Dummy. <laughs> but you didn't expect that.
0: <laughs> what if it's just like, oh, yeah, we're doing this. we re- reanimating bodies with this ancient jewel that we found in Egypt while excavating. <laughs> <laughs> so it turns into a mummy story.
1: That would like, that's some. Are you afraid of the dark? Level storytelling right there.
0: <laughs> so, Alonka ends up following sneakily. Anya, as she goes into, the library. Um,
1: All the cool kids are there.
0: Kevin's there. And mm-hmm. Kevin leaves the door open. As they go in. That's not. That's too. You know what I mean?
1: You think they did that. He did that intentionally?
0: Yeah. Because this is is what I saw. Alanka's following Anya. Alanka hears Kevin coming out. As Anya's going in. So she moves quickly to get around him. I wouldn't doubt if Kevin saw her. And left the door open so she could sneak in. Because why have a, a secret society like this and leave the door open? You're trying to be sneaky.
1: But the door is swung closed. So maybe he just knew it was going to close. It just closes slow. It's like one of those heavy doors.
0: Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I feel that was too... He
1: is special though. Because in the dreams she has, he is set apart for some reason. Yeah. It could just be her a foretelling of A romantic interest that they have to have because they're two beautiful people. But it could also just be that there's more to him. Yeah. Or he's special in some way. I believe that. And I actually have a theory about that too. But let's let's talk about the little table scene because it's damn good. This is what solidified it as this is an awesome show to me.
0: (laughs) So we're introduced with a bunch of the I think all of them, right?
1: Yeah, all the kids are there. Everyone we got introduced to, we see here. Sherry's there. Spencer. Spence. Um, uh,
0: Natsuki. Amesh.
1: Mm-hmm. The really religious girl. What's her name again?
0: Um, Sandra.
1: Sandra. Sandra's there. Yeah. The whole gang is here, except for our main character, Alanka. Yeah. She's just not there yet. She's hiding in the corner.
0: And they... And they talk about it. Well, why didn't, you, why didn't you invite her? And Anya's like, she looked asleep. You know, I didn't want to wake her. Plus, you know, let it, let, let's let wait a little bit. So, as much of a hard-ass Anya, uh, that Anya is, she's like, eh. She sounds like she wanted to bring in Ilanka. But decided not to. Just for... Because it's her first night. So... What is this group? Well, it's Mike Flanagan's take on the Midnight Society because they sit the down. The Midnight Club. Yes. <laughs> that's right. All our year listening to Are You and watching Are You Afraid of the Dark came full circle because Mike Flanagan listened to us and he's like, I'm going to make a property that's similar to this, just crazier.
1: This is Are You Afraid of the Dark. After Dark. Mike Flanagan meeting together. This is the perfect show. It can't go wrong. Don't look at IGN, right? Just ignore it. I don't (laughs) care. It can't go wrong. I'm so happy with this show.
0: (laughs) Um, IGN is our code for Internet's greatest news, which is like, you know, just review. they not going to
1: sponsor us, okay? (laughs) (laughs) They suck. (laughs) So, so this show was written by mike flanagan and dj McHale secretly i know it. oh i
0: would love that so so what do they do yes it's a midnight society where they sit down by a rowing fire in the library and they share stories now mm-hmm. um some of them sandra's talked about an angel story for three days they call it angel porn um
1: which i thought was really mean. Everyone <laughs> really makes fun of her for having a really strong religion. Yeah,
0: but she takes it on the chin, you know. Yeah, she's
1: like, "I don't care. I got Jesus." Yeah. Idiot. You know, <laughs> burning hell. So you can't be too mad about it.
0: But everybody's pouring wine. They got it they some of them are drinking it, some is not. And they cuz it's
1: dangerous to mix with their meds. Yeah. But also, they don't give a shit about danger cuz <laughs> they're going to die anyway. So
0: <laughs> so it's Natsuki's turn and her story is take a shot for every time there's a jump scare
1: it's it's so fun there is ghost stories within my ghost story this is everything I needed for October it didn't feel like October until right now <laughs> these That's... kids are gathering around and we're gonna get new ghost stories maybe every episode it'd be fun this that, is I have so many mini stories to hear that. i would love just, yeah.
0: uh but her this story, is what
1: this little before we move on yeah. this little group here this should be the vibe obviously without the hospice but this should be the vibe that the reboot for are you afraid of the dark has
0: <laughs> I, I want
1: this feeling this like these kids who feel natural telling each other scary to try like scary stories to try and get a reaction out of each other some are better than others some make it you know like they have tropes they have things that they can define as them this one talks about angels this one talks about japanese scary girls (laughs) etc
0: so this is good natsuki's story is good and she actually gets into it like we talk about how, and Are You Afraid of the Dark, if you listen to those podcasts, we talk about how it would be cool if we just, like, if every episode we just got the the Midnight Society member just telling the story, how, how it would look like, instead of just, like, the actual episode. <laughs> this is how I imagine, like, Betty Ann or Kiki getting into this. but Natsuki, she was, like, talking about the story. There's a There's a black cat on there. Um, it's doing the a story jump scare, so and really she scary. jumps on the table and she starts crawling around like a cat.
1: I know <laughs> she was she became that cat. Yeah. Her story involved a very creepy setting where, like, a boy's walking down a street. Obviously, we're not going to retell the whole thing because, like, she's better at it, but hmm. she's walking on the street, and then everyone in the houses in these unfamiliar houses are just kind of staring at you through the window.
0: But that's so creative
1: such a scary thing that I never even thought about. A whole unit, not just one guy, a whole community staring at you. That's so scary. It's the
0: phrase. He's walking down the street by himself, and he feels somebody watching him, but not on the streets because it's empty. He feels people watching him through the window, and they're all smiling.
1: And they're all lit really weird in, like, dark rooms with the TV on, so they're lit by the TV light. Like, it's so scary. I hate it. And then you get and they're like, smiling, uh, the like in the movie Smile. Hmm? Yes,
0: which we gotta watch. But I the,
1: we're, on it, we're on it, guys. We know what you want.
0: But every time something, <laughs> every time something uh happens, like something mm-hmm. scary happens, uh, a melody plays, like a, a song. And I thought that was interesting too. So we get a little bit of more lore because this is her third day telling the story. So, apparently, in the previous two days she's she's talking about how a teacher warned the student about the melody, so it was cool and in all of that jump scares, which they criticize, they call it lazy <laughs> you know oh jump scares, yeah,
1: it was just Japanese girls screaming at him all over the place twenty five times, which i a think, little too much.
0: I like the debate, and I feel like. That will be a good discussion topic if we ever get into it. But like, he's like, I'm not, it's, um, st- he, Spence calls it startling, not scary. But Natsuki like he defends her point. It's like, you're, it's still raising your adrenaline and gets the heart pumping. Like, that's part of the story. And it's like, oh, okay.
1: Part of what makes you like horror stuff. It gets your heart beaten. It gets you invested. Wakes you up a little bit. You can't fall asleep to a horror genre unless you're a, like a weirdo. Yeah. You're amped up when you're watching. You're getting invested. You can't help it. There's hormones pumping through your body that you don't even understand.
0: Yeah. So, with all this going on, commotion, Alanka reacts accidentally drops something, and that's when they know. Uh, and Anya's like, "Oh, I guess she wasn't asleep, or I knew she wasn't asleep." And they're like, "Okay, you- well." This makes our Not job you... easier.
1: The stuff he said about the Midnight Club, mm. the Midnight Society, I just keep picturing Betty Ann trying to do this cat thing. <laughs> it's so funny. That's funny. And Gary just like shaking his head, like, ah, oh, goddamn it, Betty.
0: What was it? Um. So. This is, ah, damn it. They.
1: Ilanka was discovered. Yeah,
0: and they. Just like, oh, she made our job easier. We don't have to ease her into this. You know, she knows what it is. But Anya's defensive. She's like, look, if you want to know about this, you better take a sip and...
1: They're drinking illegal contraband because they're cool teams who are probably, you know, doing everything under the overwatch of the entire, like, um, security staff or whatever, the main lady. I don't... I doubt... Completely, that they don't know 100 percent what these kids are doing, mm-hmm. and they're just like, let them rebel, like yeah. you know, they're kids.
0: I I subscribe to that theory. That's good. Um, I think,
1: did she, what's her name? Stan? Yeah, Mary Dr. Shelley. Stanton. Yeah. Yeah, Doctor Stanley. Stanton. Stanley.
0: Stanton. Stanton.
1: Doctor Stanton, Mary Shelley. She knows everything that goes on in this hospital. You can't trigger her mm-hmm. and her son Julian slash Mark.
0: We can talk about that too in a bit, but. Um, because uh, Alonka eventually takes a sip, and they reveal they're called the Midnight Club, and there's a special thing that goes on. But Anya says,
1: like real creative." I've seen Are You Afraid of the Dark too, you know.
0: <laughs> I mean, it is 1994. It's on as I <laughs> <we> speak. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but
1: guys got cable.
0: There's a special thing that they to you have to do to be a member of the Midnight Club. And Anya's like, not until she takes a sip and tells a story. So, Alonka's like, I'm on meds. Anya's like, it's just a sip. We're all going to die anyway. So, Alonka takes a sip. And she goes, I'm going to tell a story. But before we get into that, it's everybody there has been in this club. They were initiated into this club. So, nobody started this club in... Uh, the group that we meet. I think the, 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 the two people that are there the longest is Anya and Sandra, which is...
1: What a two. good premise for this club. <laughs> like, obviously, the founding members aren't going to be there. They're dead. Um, <laughs> and they don't know exactly how long it's been going. So they just keep upholding this tradition, but there could be consequences to this secret pact. Maybe Wiccan consequences, witches, a coven, <laughs> if you will.
0: <laughs> um, I don't know. We'll see. But Brightcliff has been around since 1901. To what John B.'s point is in, we don't know who the founding members are. And mm-hmm. I think I think it's interesting that Anya and Sandra are the two most senior people in this club because they're complete opposites right Anya just doesn't give a shit she's very uh, indifferent about life and death right now while Sandra has the most optimistic
1: I think they have different views on death I don't think Sandra has like deluded herself into thinking she's getting out of this she's just like yeah. yeah but I'll just go to heaven it's fine
0: yeah that the optimism is there Um, but Alanka decides to tell the story of Julia and we get the full story of Julia Jane a woman who inspired Alanka to go there because she went there when she was 17 and mm-hmm. she disappeared for a year and she came back and like no one knew she, where she was and she her she was whoa. cured
1: before she disappeared, she fixated on her own death. Yes. May 20th, 1969. She just kept saying 05, 20, 1969. She just knew that was the day she was going to die. It's a year from her diagnosis. And before she died, she mysteriously disappeared, like Rip was saying. And they couldn't find her for a month. And they figured, well, she's a sleepwalker. She might have just walked off, walked off a cliff or something.
0: Now... What we saw visually, and we don't know if this is known or not, I don't know, because Alanka's telling the story, but we, the audience, see that Julia, in the middle of the night, walked into the the elevator and went down to the basement.
1: <clears throat>
0: now, they said they searched the whole house, and one would think they also searched the basement. If not, they have to be there anywhere. It's a morgue. So, but when Julia came back, she said she never left the house. She never left she the hospice.
1: Downstairs to get some Frankenstein and done. Some Frankenstein but not science Frankenstein. Witch Frankenstein. That's right. Mary Shelley, the witch Frankenstein. <laughs> Mary Witch Frankenstein.
0: Mary Witch Frankenstein.
1: Mary witch Frankenstein. So- Frankenstein, that's a witch. Come on.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: It's gotta well, be true. So a little little witch hat. I
0: can't wait. I can't wait for you to be correct and just the reaction. <laughs> like if there was one thing we could do on Twitch is just watch the episodes and have our reactions on there.
1: <laughs> I mean Twitch, everybody would spoil the whole season. That's true. Everyone who was fortunate enough to binge it.
0: Oh, well, you know Mark's gonna die. He's gonna Say, like, oh, we'll
1: shut up. All right. I've already <laughs> seen Mark die before. I don't need to see it again. Because <laughs> it made me cry the first time. <laughs> that was a part. Of in peace. Riley Flynn, <laughs> man who died twice.
0: Kate Siegel's performance in that shit.
1: Oh, my God. Everyone's performance. I still rave about Midnight Mass. It's <laughs> underrated somehow. Like, people don't hype it up enough. It's so cool.
0: It's the perfect Easter story. I don't... It
1: is. Gather the kids around. <laughs> at your local church
0: (laughs) (laughs) so Julie comes back cancer has gone and when she's about to finally leave something that she can't stop I believe but everybody she looks at she gives them a date no one knows what that date is but everybody she looks at she gives them a date
1: but you can guess Uh she looks at two of her fellow I assume Midnight Club members but maybe not her two fellow dorm mates at the hospice and she gives them a very short date it's 1969 she looks at them and gives them a date sometime in 1970 another one she looks at and she's like 1971 specific day, specific month she looks at the orderly And she says 1989 in February. So given that information, I was I knew right away, okay, she's giving them the day they're going to die because these kids get one. That's like a year, year and a half from now. That guy gets one that's many years from in the future because he's just an orderly not a sick person.
0: Hmm.
1: And that is correct. She has been cursed. And blessed at the same time, she was blessed with, you know, her tumor shrinking Her thyroid cancer going away. But she was cursed with knowing when everyone else is going to die. At first, the Midnight Club was very reluctant to the story. They're like, fuck you for trying to tell a story about a girl who gets cancer. We don't really do that here. It's really stupid. Um, But they begrudgingly let her tell a story. And now they're all really invested. Mm -hmm. Nanya's like, all right, aunt. What the fuck else? Tell me what happened there. And she does So she she uses that story as leverage.
0: So she has to, so she used that leverage to get the last commitment, uh, before joining the Midnight Club. And they tell her, if anybody is the first to die, they have to do everything in their power to reach out to them from beyond the grave. And Alanka makes that commitment. She says, yeah, I'll do whatever I can if I'm the first to die. So we'll see.
1: I will reach through the veil kicking and screaming, and I will tell you the truth. That is what she said. I loved it. Now, well, that is coming back somehow. I know it.
0: A lot, so everybody heads to bed. Alanka and Kevin's st- I looking around the hallway, and Kevin is like, "Look, I've spent many times around this hallway. Not a lot of people give anything a good look, but I do." And because I do I'm that.
1: different. I'm cool. <laughs> I'm emotional, and I'm your future boyfriend.
0: I'm an edgy. I'm an edgy teen.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm and... a cool kid who wears a beanie at night. <laughs> and he, he recognized.
0: <laughs> he did. <laughs> he recognizes. Um, you know what that looked like. Uh, you know, like the old timey Mickey cartoons where they like have the nightgown to go to bed and they yeah, have the hat. They have a big hat.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it did look like that.
0: But he recognized Julia's name. She is in one of the pictures. She was class of 1968. And he's just like, Was the story true? And she says, Yeah i heard this like i researched the crap out of julia and most of that well was from my story and that's why i came here so kevin remarks that oh you didn't just pick this place by chance you know it wasn't a lottery you purposely came here and then she's like yeah julia left for a (laughs) year came back and was cured that's going to be me I'm going to win, or whatever she says. Hmm. I don't plan on dying. And then Kevin's like,
1: "Okay." Kevin's like, "All right, yeah, too strong. You should probably accept it, but that's fine."
0: <laughs> she's like, "All right, I'm gonna head. Let's we should head back." And then she's like, "No, I'm gonna stay and walk around for a little bit longer." And she does. And as soon as she finishes, she walks off screen, but we still get the still of the hallway. And in the light that's shining into this hallway from outside, we see the shadows start to move and go in the same direction that Alonka goes. And we end this with Flagpole Siddhas. I feel like it's Harvey Danger? I forgot the name.
1: I'll trust you. How's it go? <laughs> Sing it for us, Rip. Da, na, na.
0: Nah, 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 nah. That's all I know.
1: <laughs> he said na na nah, nah, which could be a bunch of songs.
0: Yeah, the song is called Harvey Danger. There we go. I had visions, I was in them. I was looking into the mirror to see a little mm-hmm. bit clearer.
1: Now you know what it is. The yeah, it's
0: and evil in me.
1: <gasps> Suspense. <laughs> anyway, and that's the end of the first episode. How do you not watch more? I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to convince Rip to do another one, but he's just like, no, I have to watch sleep. <laughs> Join <out> a family. <laughs> <laughs> this guy so selfish.
0: Oh, if only we didn't work in the morning. But <laughs> there's some there's there's a there's details I left out in their little recap here. Mm-hmm. Ready for this?
1: No. But do it
0: anyway. Well, Mark gives us a brief backstory of Brightcliffe. The house was built in 1901 by a logging industrialist named Stanley Oscar Phelan and his wife, Vera.
1: His wife, Vera, is
0: Kate Siegel. Kate Siegel. Okay. Yeah,
1: we're on the same page.
0: And it was a halfway house during the Great Depression. 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 Mm-hmm. And a cult called the Baragon called Brightcliffe their home in the 1940s. We don't know anything about this cult.
1: Neither uh, did they, Mark. Apparently.
0: Maybe they did. Maybe they started the Midnight Club. Mm-hmm. But something's up with this house. We don't know. There's a cult in there, of course. <laughs> they definitely did some stupid shit, and this they house messed is-
1: around. They fucked around, and they found out. Right? Those people, those Wiccans, opened an interdimensional portal, leading to that's right, Archive eighty one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're back. It's the
1: same society. We're back. It's Archive eighty two. Mike Flanagan got his hands on the rights. Thank God, bless his soul. And here it is. So
0: I'm thinking this shadow that followed Ilanka, I don't think it's going to lead to her death. I think she does survive this.
1: I think it's Rachel. Yeah. I think it's Rachel peeking beyond the veil to tell somebody. Something. No, Rachel got chased by it. Never mind. Scratch that. Scratch that theory. (laughs) Ugly theory.
0: But I do believe that uh, um, Elanka didn't choose this place. This place chose her. Mm -hmm. Because immediately as she started coughing, she started getting these visions.
1: A vision she she hasn't talked about. No. She will.
0: Yeah. Um, as for theories, my only thing is a witch, something you know, let's go with the standard oh, this place was built over an Indian burial ground and witches did seances here and
1: It is going to be some kind of Wiccan Frankenstein hybrid Yeah, you just It has to be sci-fi related
0: hmm? You just don't have a morgue for no reason, right?
1: No it's not, it's, There's more than a morgue down there, everybody You gotta know Because why else would Julia go down there?
0: Yeah, and why why would she disappear for a year? So and why'd
1: she come back with you know no ailments anymore? Hmm.
0: I don't know. We're gonna find out that she was part of the Midnight Club. We're gonna find out that
1: she had to have been right. I mean,
0: and if we're gonna find I I wouldn't doubt that she reached to Alanka from the grave. Because that's part of the pact. Even though Alanka's a future member, I feel like Julia reached out to her. To let her know. Yeah. That there's something after death.
1: And she's not allowed to experience it. Hmm. Because whatever she did made her immortal. An immortal ghost.
0: We'll see. This definitely... Has my, um, my interest, my curiosity.
1: I actually don't believe what I just said. Obviously, that was a joke. But I think Julia is alive. We're gonna see Julia as an older lady at yeah. some point. You have to.
0: I, I think she did. I think she just died.
1: Nah, maybe. Like, like
0: almost like at the moment that she got cancer or showed signs of cancer, is when Julia died.
1: Maybe. I think Julia's alive, and we're going to see her show up in the story.
0: Okay. that will be cool, too. I like that.
1: At Uh, the very least, we're going to see the day she died. So we'll see, like, Julia in that aspect. (laughs) But she did live a long time after 1969.
0: I predict that we're going to see... People from past Mike Flanagan's properties, but not part of the the series, part of the stories in the series.
1: Oh, that's so cool! I wish I want that. I want that really bad. Who did I predict? Kate Siegel, obviously, mm-hmm. and Joe. Joe.
0: And my last fact is Kevin is played by. Same person who played Riley's little brother. Is it? Yeah.
1: He's played by Riley's little brother? Yeah. Man, he's grown. <laughs> I didn't recognize him at all. Yeah. neither.
0: They do a good job.
1: <laughs> Damn.
0: I mean, what more can you fast for for a Mike Flanagan property? This was great. Nothing. Loved
1: it. Interesting plot. You have to care about everybody. And I do. And then intrigue. I'm very intrigued on seeing where this goes. <laughs> I'm so invested. I need episode two today. And there's nothing stopping me other than willpower. <laughs> <laughs> it's and it's, it's it's diminishing. Guess oh. what I'm doing every day this week.
0: Oh, this was inspired by *Are Fair of the Dark. Was it? Yeah. How do you know that? I just randomly was scrolling through the Wikipedia page that I saw. It.
1: Sick. Don't look too far in there. You're going to get spoilers.
0: I'm all the way at the bottom. I'm good.
1: <gasps> Not <Nah>, we're good. <laughs> okay. Inspired by Earth for the Dark. What a perfect show. Mike Flanagan has some taste. Yes. Probably a listener.
0: Hopefully. We love you, Mike. And DJ McHale. We know you're listening to
1: Mm-hmm. Let us be extras. <laughs> we'll work for free. Sandwiches maybe would be nice.
0: What uh any other Gina? theories want to mm-hmm. go off on before we
1: go? I mentioned my big ones. Hate like sequel and Joe's whoever his actor's name is character showing up. Um, Julia is going to show up at some point. It's all going to tie into Frankenstein somehow. Frankenstein's monster and probably witches like you mentioned.
0: What the so that's swerve, kind of a hybrid. What of if, what if the swerve? I thought, is, yes. Huh?
1: If, if the swerve is not one of the two things, and it's a completely third option, I'm going to lose my mind. The swerve is either it's about Frankenstein, or the swerve is either it's about witches. It can't be something else. It would drive mm-hmm. me wild.
0: The swerve is about uh, like a Shakespearean play. It's based on like Hamlet or something.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> they talked about Hamlet, remember? <laughs>
0: uh, well... With all that being said, any last words, Jumbie?
1: Welcome to Brightcliff.
0: Welcome to Brightcliff, indeed. And with that, we end another episode of Phantom Silver Screen Podcast. If you like what you heard, please give us a like, subscribe, follow, anything to show us that you love us, because we love you too. And we always will. Even.
1: From Beyond the Grave. We'll tap you on the shoulder.
0: Bye.